are continuing in our series through the Gospel of John. So if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn with me to John 16, verse 12. And we'll pick up there in a moment. Uh, For context, by way of reminder, uh, we are studying our way through the Gospel of John, and we're currently in a section of multiple chapters in which John, the author, one of the disciples of Jesus, uh, captured firsthand uh, a lot of what was happening the night that Jesus was betrayed. So it's his last night before being crucified. And John, I think, beautifully captures chapters worth of content that uh, the other gospel writers do not, in which Jesus explains uh, many things to his disciples that he's going to leave, that he's going to die, that they're going to first face persecution. And in this section in particular, he's been explaining, hey, I'm going to leave, but it's better for you that I leave and go to be with the Father because when I get there, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And I think there was probably a little bit of confusion among the disciples. What is this Holy Spirit? We have bits and pieces through the prophets, um, but what is he talking about and what should we expect? And so Jesus is explaining to them, hey, here's some of the things that the Holy Spirit is going to do. Here's uh, some of the the evidence weighing in favor of the reality that it's better for you to have the Spirit uh, working in and amongst all of you than it is to have me in one body, in one place, uh, teaching you as your rabbi. And so he's in the middle of talking about the Holy Spirit and what the Spirit will do. Uh, The last section of text that we covered, Jesus talked about the the effect of the Spirit upon the world and the sort of conviction and eye-opening effect that it would have on a world that was set against Jesus. Uh, And now he's continuing uh, talking about the effect of the Holy Spirit upon his followers or disciples of Jesus. We're picking up in chapter 16, verse 12. Uh, This is what he says. He says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify Me because it is from Me that He will receive what He will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what He will make known to you. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank You for these um, parting words and realities that You made known to Your disciples. And I pray, Jesus, that as we study them, that it wouldn't just be uh, a history lesson, but it would be just as eye-opening for us as it was for your first disciples, that we would uh, recognize perhaps even more clearly than they did when they first heard this, uh, that this is reality and that this is what you're doing in and among us. That this is something that all of us can uh, see and taste and experience as we follow after you. So would you uh, come and uh, wake us up, Lord, breathe fresh life into us, uh, and perhaps as much as anything, We need you to do uh, what you've said you would do in this passage, to come and speak words of life and words of truth uh, over us as we follow after you. 
We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In early 2019, many of the global regions beyond leaders were gathered together in Australia. And as they were gathering together and seeking the Lord, a word was brought by a man named Rory Watts, who at the time was not part of the regions beyond family. But he was gathering with them, and he sensed the Lord laying this word on his heart that he brought to the leadership, uh, and this is what he shared. He said, I believe God is taking us into a new era. It's not a change of season, uh, as it is not something we have experienced before. New eras present a total change of landscape, which brings about a significant change in the mode of operation. Seasons are recognizable by those who have experienced them before, and you can find yourself back at the same point. A new era is something totally new. About a year after uh, he shared this word, in early 2020, uh, I was actually scheduled to go to Australia with Steve Oliver, who uh, serves and leads our entire regions beyond a global family of churches, and he invited me to go with him and to spend time encouraging and pouring into some of our regions beyond churches in Australia. And unfortunately, in the weeks leading up to that event, some unforeseen things happened that necessitated me canceling those plans. So I wasn't able to attend, but because my heart was already there, and I was thinking, oh, I was anticipating being there, I devoted time to just pray for them and for those churches. And uh, as I was spending time in prayer for them, I had this vision of Australia, and there are like hundreds of churches in Australia that were represented within this vision as tents. So just imagine all these different sizes and shapes and colors of tents spread out across this big open landscape. And as I was seeing this, all of a sudden this storm started up and uh, got stronger and stronger and stronger until there were violent winds that were just like ripping across this open landscape. And as the winds ripped across, any of the tents that weren't firmly staked down and well secured were kind of ripped up and torn and flapping around in the breeze, and some of them were just blown off completely. Uh, and I didn't really know what that meant, but I sensed that it was from the Lord. So I reached out to Steve Oliver, and I said, hey, this is kind of odd, but as I was praying for the Australian churches, uh, I just had this sense that there's this storm coming that's going to test all of these churches. Uh, across the landscape, and that the churches that are going to survive and thrive in the midst of that storm are the churches that are staked down, that have this sort of internal unity and integrity, and, and who are, are circling up, supporting one another, uh, and are solid uh, in, in what they're doing. And so I pass that um, on to Steve. And I, he, I believe he shared that with some of the uh, churches there in Australia. But what neither myself nor Rory Watts saw coming was COVID-19. 
Within a few uh, weeks or months of me sharing that word, this little-known virus exploded out of China and uh, changed the landscape. It, uh, in effect, was a great storm that swept across not just Australia, uh, but the world, uh, testing many churches in the process. And that event and the years that followed were significant enough that they changed the landscape and represented, in effect, a, a global reset for the church of Jesus around the world. It was this uh, unprecedented effect on the church, uh, something unrecognizable. It represented the end of one era and the beginning of another. But what was that? Uh, what were those words? How did that happen? Were those one-offs? Were those uh, clever guesses? Were they rare visions only available to the super spiritual among us who have climbed some sort of ladder? Well, according to Jesus, they were none of those things. Uh, but in fact, they were typical of what we should expect as we follow after Him. He told His first disciples, hey, I'm going away, but the Holy Spirit is going to come and dwell with you, and that's going to be better for you for so many reasons. And we don't even have time this morning to unpack all of the different things that we see in Scripture that the Holy Spirit is supposed to be and supposed to do within our lives as followers of Jesus, uh, dwelling among us, bringing about our rebirth, our transformation, leading us to repentance, uh, doing miraculous things uh, that we can't even explain, cultivating the fruit of the Spirit within us. It goes on and on. There's a long list of things that the Spirit does. But specifically, in the verses we read this morning, Jesus says, I have so much more to tell you than you can even receive right now. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth. In effect, Jesus is saying, wow, there is so much that I want to tell you. There is so much that I want to impart to you. But, but you don't even have the capacity or the time to receive everything that I would want to give you. I, I've, there's so much more that I want to tell you about God and eternity and the cross and the resurrection and forgiveness and rebirth and, and salvation and the end of the age and, and all of it, all of this grand narrative of God and even who you are as individuals. It, it's just there's so much I want to give to you but you're not uh, able to receive it right now. Both because of their heart posture and because of the limited time that he had. But he said, guess what? I'm going to continue speaking to you and revealing these things to you and leading you into the truth because my spirit is going to be among you. You will not need a physical uh, rabbi in the flesh telling you these things. The spirit is going to take from me and He's going to speak it over you. He's going to reveal the truth to you and guide you into 
the truth. He will even speak to you about what is yet to come. So they have this promise from Jesus of what the Spirit is going to do. And one of the ways that those promises manifested themselves in history was through the writing of Scripture. That's one manifestation of what Jesus is talking about. I think about uh, how the Spirit guided Peter or James or John or Paul to write these pages uh, that we're reading today. Uh, that Jesus was speaking over them in the presence and power of the Spirit, and they wrote down what He was speaking to them, and that was made into Scripture. Uh, Many of the words that the Spirit was speaking over them in those years were words for all disciples for all time that were captured in what we now call the Bible. Uh, He even spoke to them about their future both in terms of their individual lives and callings and the persecution that is to come, and also through things like the book of Revelation, which can be very confusing for us, but is very future-oriented, particularly for their future. And so some of the things that Jesus was talking about are fulfilled in those moments through the receiving of that revelation and the writing of Scripture that we have, which is for all disciples, for all time. But then as we open Scripture and begin to read these words that are for all disciples for all time, uh, we are continually um, put into this place of expectation ourselves. That this isn't just something that happened with James and John and Peter and oh, when he was on this island and he had this revelation that nobody else is ever going to have. There was that. But as we open Scripture and read, it actually should stir our sense of expectation about what the Spirit wants to do in our lives. Scripture says that same Spirit is going to do these things for us, that He's going to guide us into the truth and tell us about things that are yet to come. You can think about Paul, uh, in my mind, as a classic example. Um, This happened through his life in the power of the Spirit. Uh, To my knowledge, in my reading of Scripture, Paul only encountered the resurrected Jesus one time. That was on the road to Damascus. And within that one encounter, where he was face-to-face with the the glorified, resurrected Jesus, uh, it was a pretty short conversation, and Jesus basically just said, stop it. Like, stop doing that. Stop persecuting me and my followers. And then he went on his way. So we have one short conversation that he got to have face-to-face with the resurrected Jesus. And yet Paul went on to write half of the books in the New Testament. Think about that. The time he spent with the resurrected Jesus face-to-face versus what he was shown. How did that happen? How did Paul write half of the New Testament? Well, it was because of the role of this Holy Spirit in his life as a follower of Jesus guiding him into the truth, speaking all of these other things that Jesus did not even have time to share with his disciples that then uh, has been woven into Scripture. And the same could be said of Peter and John and others. They didn't understand the cross and the resurrection even when they were experiencing those things. They didn't understand the full significance of those things. It wasn't until later until the Holy Spirit revealed those things to them 
had broadened their horizon and led them into the truth. But it's not just the writing of Scripture, which is universal for everyone. The Spirit also does this for us uh, in our daily lives, in the day in and day out. In fact, we live in what could be called this age of the Spirit, in this time after the cross and resurrection, in which the veil has been torn, and the significance of the veil being torn is, is first off that the separation between God and His presence and His holiness and, and humanity and our fallenness, that that separation, that that barrier has been torn down. But it's also significant in that that was the place where God's Spirit was contained and it is no longer contained there anymore. That the presence of God, that the Holy Spirit is now pouring out of that temple, it is unleashed upon the world. And in fact, uh, Scripture says that if the Holy Spirit is to have any dwelling place or, or focal point or pl a place of concentration on earth, it's no longer in any form of temple built by human hands. It's actually you. It's you and me. It's our, it's our physical bodies. And then actually uniquely as followers of Jesus come together and seek after Him, there's a second sense in which all of these little temples of the Holy Spirit form a larger collective temple of the Holy Spirit. But that should generate within us this sort of a tremendous sense of expectation in terms of what the Holy Spirit uh, wants to do in our lives. Uh, this is one example of, of this age or this time that we live in being prophesied or spoken of before it arrived. From the prophet Joel, he says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. So curiously, the Spirit inspired Scripture, but as we read Scripture, it's actually pointing us to the reality of the Spirit and saying, no, this, these are the types of things you should expect. This is the time and age in which you live. He was speaking of you. So as we're reading Scripture, if we're going to take it seriously, it, it, it should... Um, pique our interest, it should make us sort of hungry or thirsty, or at the very least curious about what the Holy Spirit might want to do in our lives. Jesus says, I, I, there's things I want to share with you. I want to lead you into the truth. And, and that's going to happen through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm going to, to speak to you about things that are yet to come. Everything the Holy Spirit was doing for the original disciples, you and I are no different. He says, I, I'm going to do that for you as well. Now, I think the New Era word was one example of that. And we could list a lot of examples like that uh, that have shaped the life of this church or have shaped our global family of churches called Regions Beyond. But here's another uh, fun example 
that might be a little more personal for us in the room or hit a little closer to home. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, months ago, uh, I have a really bad memory. So I'm not actually sure. I can't remember when we did this, but let's say a few months ago, uh, we did a teaching on the Holy Spirit, uh, maybe in a similar vibe to the one that uh, the verses we're doing this morning, where it's just highlighting the reality of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us uh, and encourage us and build us up. I can't even remember the text, but as a response, we carved out maybe 20 minutes or so in the gathering. And those of you who are here might remember this, will remember this. We handed out 10 sticky notes to everybody who was in the gathering. And we said, let's just take some time to sit and to pray. And you just start writing down, if you sense the Lord laying things on your heart, just start writing down encouragement for people. That's like the heart of the prophetic in, in my mind. It's just encouragement. If you just go about and just start trying to encourage people in Christ, you're going to end up prophesying over their lives without even meaning to, because encouragement and the prophetic are so uh, deeply intertwined with one another. So we said, hey, just sit down with these note cards and start writing out encouragement for people in the room, and then go uh, and, and stick that sticky note on that person. And so after everybody finished praying and listening and writing and all of that, we stood up and it was sort of fun and chaotic and everybody's just sticking sticky notes on everybody else. And I still have my sticky notes. There were several really profound, prophetic things that the people who gave them to me had no idea. They're just like, oh, I saw you know, this image of an oak tree and blah, blah, blah. And just wrote down this little thing. Probably didn't mean anything to them. It was tremendously meaningful for me. So I had several uh, stories that came out of that time. I still have my note cards and look, uh, sticky notes and look back at them uh, because the Lord really spoke to me through that time. But one of the fun stories uh, that came out of that was that I, one of the, the words that I had written when I was you know, kind of listening, I just sensed um, our uh, Evan Parton, who basically everyone here knows, almost all of you will know Evan, he's the operations pastor here. I got a word of encouragement for him. And it was this uh, scripture, this line from Jesus where he says, those uh, who can be trusted with a little can be trusted with much. And I just, Evan came to mind, and that scripture came to mind, and so I wrote it down. And then as I was sitting with that, I just sensed this extra sort of nudge from the Lord to just like, he wanted to encourage Evan that Evan is someone that he's trusting with a little bit right now, and it might not feel like much in his eyes, but it, it, he's doing really well, he's stewarding that well, and therefore, the Lord is going to trust him with more in the future. That there's this other stuff coming that God is going to trust into Evan's hands because he's doing really well. He's, he's a man of integrity, and, and he's, he's stewarding that well, what the Lord has given to him. And so I didn't write down that much, but I wrote down what I could on the sticky note and gave it to him and didn't think anything of it and gave other people their sticky notes. But then uh, after the gathering, he came up to me and he explained, hey, I got five or six sticky notes from five or six different people. And not only did they all have a theme, there was like one common theme among all five or six sticky notes, but somebody else in the room gave him the exact same scripture and the exact same encouragement. Those who can be trusted with little can be trusted with much. You are a man of integrity. 
God trusts you. He, he delights in what you're doing with what he's entrusted into your hand. So through that simple exercise, then Evan is leaving the room encouraged and strengthened and built up and with this sense of like, wow, I heard from God today. Like God actually, I actually have a sense of what God thinks of me. He, he's leading me into the truth about what's true of me, what's true of my circumstances, and even a bit of what's to come. Jesus talks about all of those things in the, in the short verses we read this morning. He's going to lead you into the truth. He's going to reveal to you what's true, and he's going to speak to you about what's yet to come. I, I think that's a classic example of that happening. And sometimes when we uh, talk about the sort of future aspect of prophecy, we can get a little weirded out by that, of like the whole like, oh, he's going to show you what's yet to come. And we can slip into this weird place of, of sort of like taking biblical, what's the biblical version of the prophetic and almost turning it into like fortune telling or something weird like that in our minds. Like if, I, if I'm praying, God's just going to speak to me and just say like, Evan, I foresee that on April 15th, you're going to get hit by a bus and break both your legs. There, I prophesied. And, and we, we slip into this place of like, oh, isn't that what Jesus means by like, he's going to tell you what's, let, what's yet to come? And isn't the prophetic always forward-looking? Uh, and, and that's actually not what we see. That's not our firsthand experience of the biblical and the prophetic. And when you open Scripture and, and read through, it's, that's actually not how it operates. That's not what it sounds like. That's not how it feels. That it didn't look that way in the Old Testament. It doesn't look that way in the New Testament. But just like the new era word or the words of encouragement that God was giving Evan in that gathering, there can often be a future peace to it. So it, it's, it's often very now focused on what's true right now, what's true of God, what's true of you. It's building up. It's encouraging. It's um, revealing something that maybe you have a hard time receiving for yourself or seeing for yourself, but that God wants to speak over you. And there often is this, this piece of it that's like, yeah, but you, there, there's, there's something forward-looking. There is a new era that you need to start preparing for right now, a year before it happens. There is a storm coming that's going to be here in a few weeks. You need to prepare for that as a church. You're a man of integrity now but you can look to the horizon with some sense of hope and expectation that God's actually going to entrust more to you in the years and decades ahead than he's entrusted to you so far. And, and it's because of the way you're stewarding what you have. So that's, the, that's all three of the, the different aspects of what Jesus is talking about. Uh, and we see uh, not a ton of examples of this, but we get to see in the book of Acts as the Holy Spirit comes uh, and Peter says, hey, this Joel stuff, these things we've been waiting for, the Holy Spirit's here. This is happening. Expect this to happen right now. And the first churches get planted and start, the gospel starts spreading across the world. We actually see this happening within the church. The book of Acts, in my opinion, isn't super long and doesn't get super detailed with a lot of these things, but there are several uh, examples of this happening. 
Uh, one of my favorite examples is a moment when um, I, I think it's a church gathering, but people have been praying and fasting leading up to this church gathering. And as they're praying and worshiping and seeking the Lord together, the Holy, it says the Holy Spirit spoke to them and said, set apart for me Saul and Barnabas for the work that I've called them to. They've been working among the Jews. I'm actually going to send them in a different direction. I'm going to send them in a new place to work among these Gentiles, and they're going to bear fruit there. And that's all those things that Jesus was talking about. Hey, here's who these guys are. Here's what I'm calling them to do. Here's what's going to happen as they step out and go and do those things. They're actually going to bear a unique type of fruit. There's a forward-looking bent to it as well. Um, in, uh, I think of Agabus in Acts 21, who is a man recognized by the early church for prophesying well, for, for being in tune with God's voice and speaking truth over others. And he does it well, and he does it consistently. So people have learned to, to you always weigh a prophetic word, but they've learned, hey, Agabus is, is pretty good. He's pretty trustworthy when it comes to speaking out the words of God. And, and this is what it says in Acts 21. It says, that Agabus, in a, in a church gathering, says he went right up to Paul. Uh, he took Paul's belt, and in a dramatic gesture, he tied himself up, hands and feet, and he said, this is what the Holy Spirit says. The Jews in Jerusalem are going to tie up the man who owns this belt just like this and hand him over to godless unbelievers. And in the aftermath, everyone who's there gathered is really upset. And no, Paul, don't go. We don't want you to be arrested. And Paul's like, it's okay. It's for the glory of God. And it, it's kind of, you get to see everything play out. But that little snapshot to me is, is another little tiny glimpse at the um, prophetic operating within the church. If somebody says, hey, I have this sense from the Lord, and I'm going I'm to speak that out, and I'm going to share that. Uh, it's no different for us. In fact, for those of you who know the story of this church plant, will know that it, it, the first seed was planted years and years ago when my friend Matt Karsh was visiting Spokane for the first time. Never been to the city, and he was leaving Spokane at the end of his first visit, driving back through downtown Spokane, stopped at a red light, and he sensed the Lord speak to him and say, really simply, there's going to be a church here. And at that period of his life, he was not seeking after the Lord. He was not looking for anything like that. But he just sensed, whoa, the Lord just spoke to me and gave me this simple phrase. And over time, God began to clarify that word and deepen the meaning of that word and, and, and make it clear in his mind, actually, I'm calling you to move to Spokane someday and to plant a church. And so that simple word that the Spirit spoke over him was revealing something that was true and that was also had a forward-looking bent to it that he received from the Lord, and it happened. That, that was the, the, the clearest initial seed that became the, the church that, that we are. Started from that word. I think of um, Brian Olson going to Nepal and he's been there almost a year now, uh, if you can imagine that. And we'll actually wait on that uh, for a second, Raymond. But um, Brian's been in Nepal almost a year. But all of that was set in motion years ago 
when we were praying before a Sunday gathering. Uh, every Sunday morning, 9.15, we circle up and we take time to listen and to pray. And most of the time, nothing really crazy happens. Like we sit for a couple minutes with Jesus and we come back together and sometimes we share stuff and sometimes we don't. Uh, but in this particular morning, we had the sense, man, there's, there's going to be somebody at the Sunday gathering this morning who God is, is marking, who's setting apart, calling on a new adventure. And it's going to be this like, dramatic, sort of life-changing thing that's going to require them to drop what they're doing and drop their, you know, their career and their job and make a, a drastic move to another place that God's going to call them. And, and we had that sense in the morning gathering, and we sensed it was from the Lord. And so we, we started the gathering, and I remember thinking, like, this is kind of vague. Like, I don't, I don't really know what that means. I have no idea who this is uh, or if we even heard correctly, but we're just going to share it. So in the early stages of that Sunday morning gathering, we said, hey, as we were praying before the morning gathering, we had this sense that there's someone here this morning who God is, is calling on a new adventure, on something big and dramatic, and we kind of shared what we sensed uh, we had received. And then we went on with the Sunday gathering. What I didn't know is that Brian was sitting in the gathering and through the course of that gathering, like the Holy Spirit was just resting on him and just making it so abundantly clear. You are the person that they're talking about and I'm calling you to go to Nepal of all places. And, and through that process of, that, of receiving that call from God, he also received this incredible um, passion like this God-given heart and passion for the Nepalese people. And it wasn't like this foreign calling. It just became this like, oh my gosh, I have to do this. Like, I am so excited to do this. And over time, uh, uh, God made the timing more clear as to when he was supposed to leave. Uh, and he left uh, a year ago. And the Spirit worked out all of those things over time as Bo looked to him. Bo, Brian, his nickname. Uh, but in my mind, that's just like Acts 11. It's the same type of stuff that we read about in Scripture. Uh, Acts 11 says this. It says, One day as they were worshiping God, they were also fasting as they waited for guidance. And the Holy Spirit spoke, Take Barnabas and Saul and commission them for the work I have called them to do. So they commissioned them. In that circle of intensity and obedience, of fasting and praying, they laid hands on their heads and sent them off. Sent on to their new assignment by the Holy Spirit, Barnabas and Saul went down to Seleucia and caught a ship for Cyprus. It's really easy to read about that and think, oh, this is just ancient history. But I don't think it's any different now. In, in fact, I think you could just sub out some of these names and it would, it would describe what happened with Brian. You could say, one day when we were worshiping God, the Holy Spirit spoke and said, set aside for me Brian Olson for the work that I've called him to do in Nepal. And at the end of that gathering, he came forward, he shared that. We circled up around him. We laid hands on him. We prayed for him. And the Spirit was there, and more words were given, and tears were shed, and eventually, over time, God made the timing clear, 
and he was sent off on his new assignment by the Holy Spirit, and he went down to Spokane International Airport and caught a plane to Kathmandu. Now, is that going to happen every Sunday? No. In fact, I think it's pretty rare. And even when you look in the book of Acts, that was a rare thing. That wasn't an every Sunday thing. That was a rare thing even in the early church. But you know what was common? God was speaking. Every Sunday, every gathering, every time they met, the Lord was speaking over them. And as soon as the early church tuned into that, as soon as they were awakened to that reality, oh my gosh, this is happening all the time. And if we slow down and we listen, we can actually hear and we can share and, and, and God can be magnified and glorified. through. As soon as they figured out how to tune into God's voice and realize that this was a thing, this thing that Jesus was talking about, over his last meal with his disciples. Hey, I'm going to send the Spirit and he's going to guide you into the truth and he's going to speak to you. And he's going to talk to you about things that are yet to come. As soon as they woke up to that reality, they couldn't stop. They were so excited that this is a real thing and that it's available to just normal, everyday, flawed human beings. Once they got a taste of it, they, they couldn't stop. In fact, Paul had to write to some of the early churches and say, slow down. You, can't, you, you shouldn't have three or four people all standing up and sharing prophetic words at the same time. Like, pace yourselves. Bring some sort of, of order to, to the chaos because they were, they were that excited. Once they realized, whoa, this is for us. And we can do this and we can operate in this. And it's just sitting right there. And we can come and enjoy it. These are Paul's uh, words to the Corinthians from the message version of the Bible. He says, go after a life of love as if your life depended on it, because it does. Give yourselves to the gifts God gives you. Most of all, try to proclaim His truth. That, that's what prophesying is. It's encouragement. It's building up. It's proclaiming His truth. In fact, other translations just use the word prophesy. If you praise Him in the private language of tongues, which is beautiful, God understands, but no one else does. For you are sharing intimacies just between you and Him. But when you proclaim His truth in everyday speech, you're letting others in on the truth so that they can grow and be strong and experience His presence with you. I love that wording. When you proclaim the truth over other people, you're letting them be strong. You're building them up and you're helping them experience the presence of God with you. That's it. Uh, that's what we're after. We want these lives of love where the truth of God is being proclaimed over one another. We want this community to be filled with the love and joy and clarity and truth 
that, that is born out of this experience. We want to give ourselves to the gifts and the life and the calling that God has on our lives. We want to proclaim our truth in all of its beauty so that we can grow stronger and experience His presence together. And Jesus says, this, this isn't something that some like charismatic movement made up. Jesus says, this is going to be possible. In fact, this is going to happen because I'm leaving in the body and because I'm sending my very real spirit among you. And he says, it's going to be so good. It's like, guys, this, I know it's going to hurt when I leave, but this is better. You are going to be able to enjoy something in the spirit that you've never been able to enjoy even in my bodily presence among you. Enjoy it. Enjoy what God is giving. So, as we close, uh, a few thoughts in how we can respond to what Jesus is saying. Uh, First, the invitation of Jesus is to um, every one of His followers uh, to come and enjoy the Holy Spirit And allow Him, though He's not here in body, to allow Him to speak over your life. To speak truth, to speak identity, to speak encouragement. He says, I'm inviting every single one of my followers into this. Number two, it isn't personality based or even based on your maturity. But rather, it's based on your status as a disciple of Jesus and a child of God. Those things are true of you. You are fully qualified to enjoy the Holy Spirit, to listen to God, to hear Him speak truth over your life. And third, we can grow in enjoying the Spirit and hearing from God over time. So it's not based on your maturity, but we can mature in this over time. We can get better and better at picking out His voice in opposition to all the other voices that we carry. And the more you engage, the more natural it will become. So if you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, this all sounds foreign to me, I can read the Bible, but I could never hear from the Lord. You just have to start where you're at. Say, what's the first step? What would it look like for me to lean in a little bit more than I'm leaning in right now? Uh, So a couple opportunities to do that. One, as I mentioned earlier, this coming Saturday, we have a six-hour training in the prophetic and what it looks like. And we're going to have, that includes lots of practice time in a really safe space. We can just start speaking truth over one another. Uh, And every single person is invited to that. That's one tangible, practical way that we can grow in these things. But realistically, every gathering, every devotional time, every prayer is, is an opportunity to grow in this. I assume that all of us pray in some way, at some point during the week. It could be as simple as saying, I'm going to start with listening. Ten seconds 
30 seconds, 60 seconds, whatever's a good starting place for you. Before I jump in and just say, Lord, I need this and I need this and I need this, or thank you for this and this and this, I'm just going to pause for a few seconds and wait on the Lord and just say, Lord, is there anything you want to impress upon my heart right now? Before I start speaking, maybe I could start by listening. Every prayer, every meal, every devotional, every Sunday gathering presents itself as an opportunity to grow in these things, to grow in our enjoyment of the Holy Spirit and our ability to receive from Him, to hear His truth, to hear His encouragement and identity spoken over our lives. So as we close, I think it would be fitting if we just create some time and space to do that right now. Uh, so the worship team can come back up. If you have a Bible or a journal, I'd actually encourage you to keep that out. It's really helpful for me when I'm doing these if I can, if I can write things out. And all we're going to do is just sort of take a posture of listening and uh, receive from the Lord. Whatever it is, Lord, you want to do or speak right now, uh, whatever truth you want to speak over my life, maybe it's an identity, maybe it's an encouragement. Uh, I can't escape or ignore the fact that it's New Year's Day and that as Americans, uh, most of us love the idea of New Year's resolutions, right? Like we're, we're going to set all these goals and we're going to do all of these things and I'm not even going to try to go to the gym for the next like three weeks because everyone's going to be at the gym trying to work out and three weeks from now, no one will be there. Uh, but... That's kind of how we approach New Year's, right? It's like, I want these, I'm going to set all these goals for myself and I'm going to do all these things. I think it would be fitting as followers of Jesus, maybe you want to take this time and just say, Lord, what do you think about this year? What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to become? What are, what are your thoughts, Lord? Maybe, maybe for, for most of us, this could just be a simple New Year's exercise. Lord, what, what do you think? What do you want? What, what do you want me to know about 2023? What do you want my goals to be? What? We'll go from there. Jesus. We turn our hearts, our minds, our eyes toward you. We recognize you, Lord, as the most loving person who ever lived. And the most joyful person who ever lived. The most truthful person who ever lived. The most merciful, the most compassionate, and the one who curiously, somehow, wants to be with us. And Lord, as we see you in that light, as we see you for who you are, as the one who made the heavens and the earth, but who just loves coming down into the trenches and just being with us, 
we receive you in this place. We set aside our goals and our values and our alternative voices. We say, Holy Spirit, would you come and would you speak to us? A scripture, an image, a picture, a word of encouragement. Perhaps for some it's just going to be this sense in our hearts or in our physical bodies of your warmth, of your presence, your love for us, of the way that in light of cross and resurrection you can now just come and just delight over your children. Perhaps it's just a sense of how you actually feel about us as opposed to what we think about ourselves. So you say, Holy Spirit, come. We can become so confused by the lies. Would you lead us into the truth? We can become so distracted by the things we think we ought to chase and we think we ought to know and we think we ought to pursue. Would you just speak to us about what's actually to come, what we're actually supposed to chase this year? Say, come Holy Spirit, and do the things that Jesus said you would do. In Jesus' name.